Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast. My name is Tyler Cobble, your host, as always, here with a new studio setup, and I figured nobody better to celebrate with something a little bit new than Bruce Peterson. Bruce, what's going on, man? Not a lot, brother. How are you? Doing well. Just uh, recovering. We just bought a hotel, so uh, <laughs> it's been it's been a fun couple of weeks. <laughs> recovering from buying a piece of real estate. That's <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah. Man, I swear every time, uh, like every time we close on a property, the four weeks leading up to it are completely uneventful. And then the week of is always just everything that, uh, what is, is it Murphy's law? Like everything that can go wrong will go wrong. <laughs> exactly. And you know, we just closed salt ranch and I just closed a, a, an apartment complex here in Austin. The exact same thing. The last like two to three days, just an absolute shit show. Uh, yeah really really bad sellers uh just uncooperative in non-communicative just a just this just a horror show and we're trying to unwind their mess now that we took over but yeah yeah i can't imagine stuff. that because like i mean at least you and i were just closing on one property you with your other side of everything that you do we're closing on another property the same week so that had to be a the lot exact of same day actually but mine uh on this Ooh. end got delayed by one day yeah well i mean that's that was not that's a fun day to be me that's pretty appropriate considering what we're going to be talking about today with scaling your business. So how, who wants to scale their business into buying two properties in two different states on the same day? <laughs> I mean, that's a good thing, right? Uh, it's a really good thing. It beats the alternative. It beats me working in retail for 20 years for, you know, 80 to 100 hour weeks. So even though it gets stressful as hell sometimes, man, I wouldn't change this for the world. That's so true. That's so true. For those of y'all that are relatively new to the show, Bruce and I used to have a podcast called Commercial Conversations Over Coffee, where we used to talk every week and have these kinds of conversations. So uh, we haven't really done it in a little bit. Um, we need to film one next time you come into town. It got, I mean, obviously got tough because we were doing them live. And uh, as I'm sure you guys noticed, we went live at like 540 today. There's always some sort of issue that comes up whenever we're going live. Again, Murphy's Law. Yeah, and we were doing the we were doing the commercial uh, conversations over coffee. Lots of good feedback, but you know we're it's the problem with trying to do it live. And you and I are both out in the wild, really doing it. So we just get so busy, it's hard to always hit that same time every single week. One of us would have to reschedule. It seemed every single week. So you know maybe we can get it going again, and maybe we pre-record some stuff. But yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, that was that was a fun podcast. I mean. That was that was some of the longest conversations we've ever had too. I mean, they were, we were talking for an hour and a half, um, but it was good because we were covering literally everything on commercial real estate, everything from buying commercial real estate to multifamily syndication. I mean, not not too dissimilar from what I'm doing on this channel, but it was mostly Bruce and I having those conversations because, um, you know, those are the conversations we were having anyway. Right. Tell us tell us about the apartment building you just bought. So it's a little bitty one, right? Well, okay, that might. It's little bitty. Back. It's like 50 units. It's really tiny. <laughs> well, you know, once you've been doing it for a while, you do, it's that scale thing, right? You build yeah. a bigger business. You build a bigger database of investors. You build, everything gets bigger. So now we're buying one to 300, sometimes, you know, three to 400 unit properties. This one was a 50. This is the smallest I've ever bought. Um but the only reason I decided to buy it is I've got a property right down the street. It's a 200-unit apartment complex in Austin, and uh, it's the the property we're going to run this out of. This little 48-unit, it's made up of 20 studios and then the other side of the street because it's basically two parcels that got stuck together over the years, built in 1970. 
but so we've got apartments on one of the side of the street and we've got studios on the other side of the street, but there's no office. So there's no way to lease or put a manager there. So we're running it out of the 200 unit property up the street. So, you know, I'm really glad to have it in this market uh, that I just bought this in in Austin. Cap rates to purchase are three and a, somewhere between three and three and a half for a C market. Well, we got this one for a 5.4. So we got an incredible deal. Cash flow is not the strongest, right? We're going to average 6% over a three-year hold. So again, not the greatest, but because I'm getting it at such an unbelievable uh, cap rate, because uh, I had to put a lot of money down, and that's why my cash flow got kind of cut, uh, my cash-on-cash cash return. But buying it at such a great cap rate, we should exit at about a 17 to an 18 IRR. So it's going to be a great deal. Super excited about it. I've officially had it since yesterday. Um, but, you know, starting to walk with the the the, uh, the contractors and firming up all the bids. We get our initial bids at the beginning. When we go through due diligence, once we close, we firm those up. Usually follow those bids up with two additional to make sure we're going with the best guy. And that's where we are now, just working through all that. Well, I would imagine having that apartment complex down the street had to help, right? Because and make you more competitive in the bidding process because – Technically, you can kind of pay a little bit more, not that you would want to, but you could pay a little bit more than most other people could justify because you can kind of share a manager there, right? Right. So a lot of people, well, most people that do what I do, they're going to buy it and hire a third-party property management company, and you could find them out there to manage this. What I've seen for a 48 unit is going to be anywhere from 5 to 10%. Uh, now, we have our own property management company, so we manage all of our own stuff. But it gets tough trying to manage something this small, especially when you don't have a management office. My very first property was a, well, actually the same size. It was a 48 unit back in 2012. I actually built an office on site because it was my first deal. I didn't have a property down the street that I could run this out of. But since I can run it out of my other property, yeah, my payroll is dramatically lower than it normally would have been because it's just a, a pro rata share of the other property. Uh, we save on admin costs. We save on, well, I was going to say on marketing costs, but in Austin, I really don't have to market much. But yeah, we do have economies of scale because now we have 200 and 240 units over two properties. Well, and that's that's the most beautiful part about it. Again, it's that it's the economies of scale. I mean, remember when we first started talking about multifamily units, it's like, don't buy anything under 75 units because you can't afford to keep a property manager on site full time. And that's, you know, it, otherwise you're either paying more for property management than you really should be, or you're going to be managing it yourself, neither of which are really attractive for investors, right? And so having that property down the street allows you to get by with that and you scale up. So when we're talking about getting into, I guess, investing in real estate from the ground level, You've got a lot of people that start in single family residential investing because it's very, I guess the, the barrier of entry is much lower and everybody kind of understands that sector, right? Because most people grow up in a home. What What is the issue with scaling single family? Well, first of all, you buy 10 single family units. You've got now uh, 10 different closes you have to go through. You have to find 10 different properties. Then you got to run 10 different assets all over town, probably, and they might even be in different cities, different states. It gets to be a pain in the ass, and, and you really can't – I mean, you can hire a third-party third property management company there as well. Multi I mean, single-family is usually going to be 8 to 12% of the rent, 
right? So you're if it's ten percent of the rent, you're going to give away one point two months of rent to somebody else, not profit, but of rent. That's going to be three to five months of your profit. That's crazy, right? So it, it's just a totally different world. So I try to tell people, start where you have to start, but get buying, get to buying some real estate, some rental real estate. Uh, it could be the foundation of your portfolio, but you got to get to commercial, which is what multifamily is, but you got to get to commercial as quickly as you can. And so part of that growth, a lot of people that I talk to are investing in single family rent homes. They're doing duplexes, tries, and, and quads. Those are still typically, I mean, technically single family. They're trying to figure out, okay, I'm doing this. I'm beating my head against the wall. I'm driving myself to death all over town. This is tough. This is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. How do I make this a business? So now I have created a course that teaches you how to take what you've learned in real estate investing and basically just scaling that larger. Instead of buying a couple of single family rent homes per year, I'm going to show you exactly how to buy a 100-unit apartment complex or a 50-unit apartment complex, 50 doors and one transaction under one roof instead of 50 houses, that's probably going to take you five to 10 years to buy, if not longer. So I teach people how to do that through something called a syndication, bring a lot of people together in this deal. You have one operating partner, basically people call it the GP, and then you have a lot of silent investors called limited partners. So I teach people how to do that now. And in fact, I've got a, uh, uh, a workshop coming up in Austin in October, October 8th and 9th at the domain here in Austin. And we're going to take two days and teach people step by step for a very reasonable price exactly how to do this. My online education will teach you quite a bit. My book will teach you quite a bit. But still, there's no back and forth. There's no questions and answers. This is what I'm figuring, what, what I'm finding in the market first. How do I do this? How do I do that? So we're going to be in, together in the same room for two full days, 16 hours, just going through this stuff. So we're going to have a lot of fun, meet a lot of cool people. We're, we're only going to take about 20 people in this class, but that's what we're up to. And that's how I'm trying to help people have the life that you and I have, Tyler. Yeah, I, I uh, personally went to the, the school of Peterson, <laughs> one might call it, <laughs> a few years ago because you know Bruce basically started mentoring me. I had no idea what syndication was. So... Um, I mean, I, I had grown up in a development company that self-funded basically all their deals. We, you know, they, they had all the capital in house, put down the equity, got debt from a local lender. And, and that was how we did all of our projects. So when I was growing up as a, as a baby commercial real estate broker, I had no idea that you could just go out and raise capital from, from, you know, friends and family or whatever, uh, or other accredited investors to put these deals together. So Bruce, I mean, you know, obviously like, look, what was the let's let's use your 48 unit property as an example of scale, right? Because if I'm if I'm a relatively new real estate investor, let's say I own three single family homes, right? Like I'm just kind of starting to get into it. How do I go from three homes to 48 units in one deal? Again, it's just called a syndication. Once you understand the process of investing in rental real estate, the rest of it. You just need somebody to teach you. I don't want to tell you, say, share the secret with you because it's not a damn secret. It's out there, but you got to go read a lot of books and listen to a lot of podcasts. But you got to find somebody that can kind of unlock that door for you because it's there is a little more to it, obviously, because now you're dealing with investors. But if you structure it the right way, and I go into exactly how to structure it, 
exactly who you're going to use to structure that for you, what kind of attorney, when to find them, how much you're going to pay them. We're going to all of that. But again, once you understand the basics of investing in real estate and people that go into syndications, they've already been investing in real estate. It's an advanced way to build your to build your portfolio in your business. So now I can teach you how to bring in people at 10 to 50 to $100,000 at a whack instead of you being limited by your own checkbook, which you might have $100,000 to put into a deal. That might buy you a single family rent home or a couple. It's not going to buy you a 50 unit apartment complex. The 48 unit that we just closed on, I keep calling it a 50, but it's really a 48. Our all in is about 2.4 to 2.5 million bucks. Most people listening to this don't have that kind of cash in their back pocket. So now I show you how to raise money from other people. I show you the legal way to do it. But now you can bring a lot of you together. Again, you as the deal sponsor or the syndicator, you're the person that's going to control the deal. You're going to run the deal on behalf of the silent investors. And now you can go out and buy that 50-unit apartment complex. If you buy a 50 instead of a 100 or 75, as you mentioned earlier, if there's an office on, stat, uh, on site, you could probably run it with a part-time manager. But if there's not an office on site, it's going to be tough. But that's it. You know, I'm just teaching you how to, to raise money legally and effectively from other people to go out and buy more real estate than you could have by yourself. So, so you keep mentioning the word legally, raising capital legally. You know, obviously, I know what all is involved in a syndication. But if somebody has no prior experience, why, why do you keep harping on that? Well, because if you do it wrong, you can go to jail. There's wrong ways to do it. You can get yourself sued. I say go to jail. That's probably an extreme example because you're technically breaking the law if you do certain things the wrong way. I don't think you probably would ever go to jail unless you were a Ponzi scheme and you were just an outright crook. But there's a right way or there's a legal way and an illegal way to raise money. And if you don't know what those gotchas are, you're just going to go out there and start talking to anybody about it, everything on any forum, and you're going to get in trouble. Right. There's specific ways that you have to do this. And if you just blindly ask people at the front of the room, if you like have the, the mic for a second at a meetup because you're doing a round of everybody introducing themselves and you say, hey, I got a deal. Who wants it? Very highly likely that you just broke the law unless you filed a specific way. And again, I hate to keep saying this because it sounds like a sales pitch. It's not exactly a sales pitch. I'm just trying to tell you what I'm doing. I'm going to teach you how not to get yourself hung that way. So if you do it the wrong way, yeah, you're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble. And maybe it'll only be a fine, but it's also going to mean you can't do another one in your life. The SEC will bar you from ever doing one now, and you're done. So now you got to go back to buying a single-family rent home, whatever, one or two or three years, a slow grind, turn and wrenches yourself because you don't see how to be able to afford staff to do this. So. There is a right way and there is a wrong way to do it. It's not just a matter of, you know, going out there and telling people at a meetup, hey, I got a deal. Who wants in? First of all, most people aren't going to invest with you that way because you come across very unsophisticated and they're not going to be happy. And also, the, a, a lot of people start with their friends and family. Go, oh, I'll just tap my mom and dad and brother and sister and uncle. And they're not going to give you money, guys. You know, you have to go where people are that are ready to invest. Yeah. Also, do you want them in your deals anyway? <laughs> like I couldn't imagine my mom texting me about getting a return on her money and then having to deal with that at Thanksgiving. That'd be miserable. Well, my girls are invested in every deal I've ever done. My nieces has, has invested in quite a few of our deals. My sister's invested two of our deals. 
Um, so we've had friends, uh, we've had family come in, um, but everybody, when they get started in this, that's the non-scary people to go talk to about giving them money. So everybody goes there first, almost always on your first deal or two people, th those people are not going to give you money. They know you too damn well. They maybe changed your diapers or remember you as a snot nosed kid at the playground when you're five and they just cannot wrap their heads around giving you a hundred thousand dollars. So that's usually not a good place to start. And I talked to you about where you should start. Yeah. So, so I think there's a couple of points that, I mean, cause it wasn't too long ago that I was like the target audience for what you're doing. Right. Where it's like, man, I, I don't know really how to how to get there. And there's really kind of a couple of points that are the biggest sticking points. One is finding the deal. And two is actually raising the capital. And there's always this chicken or egg thing, egg question. Right. Should I go find a deal? And then, the you know, because everybody says, oh, the find the deal, the money will come to you. Or is it should I go raise the capital, then find the deal? How do I raise capital if I don't have a deal? I mean, so what is your viewpoint on kind of that crossroads for a baby investor? Do not start with the property. If you start with a property, you find something, and then you don't have any money, and you think, oh, well, I've got this golden egg in my hand. Everybody's, of course, going to want this bright, shiny new baby that I fell in love with. No, it's not going to happen. You're going to go out and try to raise money, and this is where you're going to get stuck because you're going to get into a panic because you've got money on the, on the table now. You put earnest money up, and now you got to go panically go out and find the money. This is where you're going to get yourself on the wrong side of the law because you're going to do things the wrong way and get in trouble. you got to find the money first. Once you find the money, there are going to be soft commits that you're going to get from people that have expressed interest in investing with you. Once you have that, now you can go out and find the property. So let's say you need to buy a property. Your first time out, you're going to raise $500,000 or a million dollars. Let's call it a million dollars for easy numbers. You better go out and get soft commits for two to three or four million dollars. And that's going to freak the hell out of people when they hear me say that because they're, they're overwhelmed by raising one or 200000 Well, if you need to raise 100000 you better raise three or 400 because when it comes time, you finally find that deal. Most of the people on your list are not going to come through at the end. They're going to get cold feet. Somebody else will have beat you to the punch and delivered a, an investment to them that they went in on. They're going to decide for some reason they just don't really kind of click with you like they thought they did. There's all kinds of reasons. There might be a family emergency. COVID might come up. Somebody's in the hospital. They can't break away to fill out your documents and deposit money into the business account. There's all kinds of reasons. Raise the money first. Double, triple, or even quadruple the amount you think you need in soft commits. That way, when you take a deal to these people, you have enough extra people sitting there that you can afford some people to drop off. And, you know, you talked about you were you were my target audience back when you and I first met. That was before I was informally mentoring people, but that's before I kicked all this other stuff off. Mm -hmm. The target audience, like I said a little bit earlier, it's people that are already doing this to some degree. They're already investing in rental real estate, but they they look at what they're doing and they're thinking, holy crap, this is going to take me 20 to 40 years to ever build anything real. That's a long time. There's got to be a better. It's like the people that got away from the 401k and the IRA. That's not going to get me retired at 65 like everybody's telling me I'm supposed to do. So now I got to figure something else out. So people come to real estate. You get into single family and you go, oh, 
Well, I'll make it two to $400 per house in free cash flow. Remember, you might be giving away a bunch of that to management fees, but that's your free cash flow, we'll say. Well, now you start doing the math to retire comfortably. Maybe I need 5,000, maybe I need $10,000 a month. If I need $10,000 a month, and there are many people out there listening that that's what they kind of feel they need to retire at the standard that they want to retire at. So how many houses are you going to have to buy to get a $10,000 a month? With syndication, I show you the faster way to get there, still do it safely. But now again, I can show you how in one deal, a 50-unit deal, you can take down $5,000 in personal income from that deal. It's a completely different thing. Instead of $400 a month in free cash flow, I want to teach you how to make in your personal pocket, you know, four to $5,000 a month. So totally different world. It's safer in a lot of ways. It's easier in a lot of ways. You can get a loan for an apartment complex easier than you can to go out and buy your own personal residence that you're going to live in. So it's easier. So I just like talking about this with everybody because I, I can help you change your retirement view, how you're going to get there, what it's going to look like, how quickly you can get there. That's who my target audience is. Somebody that's doing it, realizing, shit, this isn't working like I thought. I'm making some extra scratch on the side, but it's not getting me where I want to be. What is the damn secret? Again, it's not a secret, right? It's written about it all over the place, but I'll teach you how to do that. Well, playing devil's advocate, I mean, if if you can do one deal and start making $5,000 a month and relatively passive income, why isn't everybody that's doing real estate doing syndication? Well, remember when you and I first met, we met at a men's accountability group, a mastermind here in Austin. You came up to me after I did a presentation on what a syndication is, what it can do for you and how much you can make from it. You're like, hey, talk to me about this. I don't know anything about this. So many people don't know what it is. Others... It's becoming more and more mainstream within the investment community. That So they, they, they know what it is, but now they have no idea where to go to figure out how to do it. And when they do find somebody to teach them, very often it's a twenty dollars to $40,000 uh, membership fee that they will teach you. They will mentor you and coach you through it. And there are very reputable, really, really good groups out there teaching you, but most of them are twenty dollars to $40,000. My seminar is going to be $3,000. And we're going to offer something at the at the end of this where if you'll act early enough, we'll probably be able to lock you in at fifteen hundred bucks. Fifteen hundred bucks is not an insignificant amount, but it beats giving somebody twenty to forty thousand dollars. And you're going to walk away from that workshop knowing every single thing you need to know to go out and do this on your own. Now you're not paying me to coach you for a year or two. That's fifty to one hundred thousand bucks. You want to talk to me about that? Fine. But I'm doing this. <laughs> in a classroom setting now where I can help a lot of people at once, but for it to be worth all the effort that it's going to take and all the expense that there is to put this thing on, I got to charge people something, but you know, I could probably charge people 3000 bucks. I'm, you know, taken care of, so to speak. And it's so much cheaper than what they're going to find somewhere else. So that's what it is. A lot of people don't have 20 to $40,000 for mentorship programs. Some people don't know what syndication is. And if they do, they're scared to death. They hear all the fuzzy, warm stories at the front of the room about how everything's perfect and everybody's radar goes up. Oh, this has got to be bullshit. There's no way I'm going to make $5,000 on a transaction every single month until we sell it, and it's going to be perfect. That's just too good to be true. You're right, it is. But I'm going to teach you 
what they won't tell you a lot of times that stuff's going to go wrong. But I'll talk to you about how to get through that stuff that's going to go wrong. You're going to have COVID happen. You're going to have a fire happen. You're going to have a hurricane or a tornado or a flood. Things are going to happen. You might get sued. I'm going to teach you how to do this in a way that you mitigate that risk. You can never eliminate all that risk in any business you start. And that's what we're doing here. You're starting a business. But anyways, I don't know how to give very short and succinct answers, but yeah. that's why most people aren't doing this. Yeah, well, we don't want short and succinct answers here anyway. I mean, that's what the that's the whole point of this podcast is to to thoroughly dive into these topics. I mean, that that was exactly what I thought that you were going to say. It's that people don't know about it. I mean, I had no idea what syndication was, and I feel like a lot of people still don't. And there, one of the reasons for that, I think, is that it's still relatively new, which is kind of like in the world in in relatively compared to commercial real estate or real estate investing. Right. Because it wasn't until what the Obama administration that you could start doing friends and family raises with unaccredited investors. Didn't you have to have only accredited investors before? Yeah, the rules were a lot more stringent back then. But no, syndications have been around forever. But yes, the Jobs Act, I think is what it was in 2013, I believe it changed the rules to a degree that it makes capital formation, which is what it's called. You're bringing capital together and going out and deploying it for a common cause together, right? That's your syndication. Now it's much, much easier. So yeah, instead of everybody having to be accredited now, we have ways to accept non-accredited people. I just have to make sure as the deal sponsor that you are sophisticated enough to understand what the risks are involved in investing in this business. Make sure you understand what the, uh, the returns look like, how to understand what they mean. So yeah, I just gotta make sure you're sophisticated. You don't have to be accredited. Some offerings that people will bring out, they will only accept accredited people because that's a personal choice on their end. There's other reasons you would do that, and I go into that into the, into the class too. But yeah, it is much easier than it used to be, but there's still tons of things you better know because if you don't know, you're going to get screwed up. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, syndications are a securities. They're a security, right? They are governed by the Securities and Exchange Commission. And that is not really a governing body that you want to mess around with. Because like Bruce was saying earlier, I mean, if you get investigated and you are convicted of fraud or whatever for doing a, a syndication improperly, you will never be able to raise capital from investors again. And you think about how much that could prohibit you from accomplishing in your life. Like You don't really want to mess around with that. So it's it's a it's a really really big deal. So Bruce, let's you know, obviously everybody is kind of raising capital without even knowing it, right? Because you're out there meeting people, you're networking. I mean, what's the proper approach when you start thinking about getting into syndication to building up those soft commits? I mean, do you just send out emails to everybody? Do you text everybody? Do you set up meetings with them and say, hey, I just want you to know what I'm doing? Are you actually asking for a number commitment? I, I had a buddy who every single person that he would run into, uh, he would say, how much would you like to invest in real estate? <laughs> and he would get a number from them right there. And I think it's a little bit obnoxious, but like it worked. Like he very quickly figured out, okay, this person's interested in real estate or they're not. So, I mean, what's, what's your advice there? Well, but that's a good point too. It worked for his personality. 
it yep. might not work for everybody. Uh, but I mean, there's really nothing wrong with that. You just got to be careful how you go about it. The safest way to do it, meet people at meetups or real estate conferences, and you know, just strike up a general conversation during a networking event. Hey, what do you do? I'm a syndicator. Oh, hell, I just want to passively invest. Well, here's my business card. They will reach out to you through an email to establish a paper trail within the uh, SEC, uh, within the guidelines of the SEC. Because if you structure it the way most people will structure their deals in a syndication, you have to be able to show that you had a pre-existing relationship with this person before you sent them a deal. Not before you let them give you money, but before you even send them the deal, you have to have a pre-existing relationship and you need to make sure they're sophisticated. So you gotta get to know them a little bit. That was the Jobs Act, right? There are ways around it. Again, I go into that, but for the most part, the Jobs Act allowed you to raise money from different people than you previously could have, but there are very strict rules around how you can do it. You have to know them. You have to make sure you have to feel that they're sophisticated and be honest about it because if they're not sophisticated and you go mentally check a box, oh, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're sophisticated. But if they're really not, it's going to create a pain in the ass for you and your business. So don't don't just make stuff up because they're going to hound you after you get into business together, they're not going to understand any of the terms. They're going to get nervous when things don't go perfect. So make sure they're sophisticated. Again, you have to have a pre-existing relationship. So, you know, they send me an email, say, hey, man, I met you at the meetup last night. Thanks for, you know, spending some time with me. I'd really like to see the deals that you're working on in the future. You can add me to your list. Great. If you don't mind, take a couple seconds, schedule a phone call with me. Here's a link to my calendar. Then we'll have a 15 to 30 minute phone call and I want to get to know them. Uh, we'll probably see each other at the meetup again. So we start to establish a rapport and a relationship. If I meet the guy at or the lady at the meetup, when I have a deal, totally fine. I just can't send them that deal the next day because I didn't, I didn't have a relationship with them before I sent them the deal. Well, I met them yesterday. Okay, just meeting somebody is not a relationship. Think about it, guys. Be realistic. That's not a relationship. You met somebody. Now you need to work maybe over a couple of weeks, a couple of months, whatever it takes to get to where you have a relationship. So meet those people, but they'll have to come in on the next deal. That's why if you're going to syndicate, you got to start raising money right now. And what I mean by that, forming those relationships right now. So that way, when you do finally have a deal in three to six or 12 months, you send it to these people, you've had ample time to develop a relationship with them. Yeah, that way there is no gray area there at all. It's very black and white. You had the pre-existing relationship. You're good to go. So, Bruce, um, let's let's say now you've, you've you're comfortable. You feel like you've got enough relationships to where you could raise two to three million dollars maybe you can acquire a 40 to 50 unit property how do you go about finding the deal because multifamily is a bit of a different world right it is and everybody says <clears throat> most of the podcasts that i'm on well you know obviously you know you find all your deals that are deeply distressed deep value add and you're getting off market deals and pocket never listings happens and, no it, it, that's not how i'm buying things it can happen when your multifamily starts at five units. It can happen with a five unit, right? Because that's a very unsophisticated seller, a mom and pop, as everybody calls them. They're very unsophisticated and they will respond to you calling them on the phone. If you catch them at the right time and they are ready to sell, they'll respond to that. 
you call me and want to buy my 300-unit apartment complex in Austin, <laughs> Texas, I want to hang. I'm not going to hang up on you. I'll be very polite. And I'm not going to do that. This is a business for me. This is not my little side hustle. This is an absolute business for me. So when it's time to sell, I know when it's time to sell, and I will list it with a broker because the broker will have connections to hundreds of people across the nation, and sometimes they'll cross the world. So why am I going to take a phone call from Junior saying, hey, I'd like to buy your apartment complex? No, I'm going to put it out. Of, well, let's put it this way. I might sell it to that guy that cold called me, but you're going to pay an obscene premium. Because if I'm not going to list it formally with a broker with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of contacts in his Rolodex or her Rolodex, there's got to be a premium for me to forego that bidding process, that feeding frenzy. It's got to be worth it for me not to market it, right? Yeah, because so you've got to go to your investors and you've got to be able to prove to them that you didn't, you did something that was in their best interest, right? Which right. typically taking the property to market, getting the highest and best offer, is that right? So if I think the property's worth ten million dollars and you want to buy it from me off market without me marketing it, you bet your ass you're going to pay eleven or more. If not, well then that just makes no sense. Now I still may only sell it for ten. Okay, that's fine, but I still want to get out there and, and broadcast it to the world because I do want a feeding frenzy. When you get involved in the, the multifamily industry, you're going to learn that almost every single deal comes to market with no price. They want a feeding frenzy. That's the way it works. So now the, the off-market, you know, pocket listing stuff, again, that can work at a 5 to 12, maybe even a 24 unit. Once you start getting to 40 units and above, most people in this space, especially you get to 100 units and above, these are professionals. They are professional apartment complex investors. They're not going to go, oh, well, now that you called, you know, maybe I do want to. No, they have a business plan. They know exactly when they're going to try to sell. So, Bruce, one segment that we have uh, recently started here on the YouTube channel is the story of the deal, where – so far, it's just been me breaking down in, in YouTube videos. I broke down the story of my first deal. I just recorded today or yesterday uh, the story of Salt Ranch. Obviously, we have not gone through the full cycle of that one yet, but I wanted to kind of show everybody, hey, here's what it's like going through a full deal where we bought it, renovated it, leased it up, sold it to like, hey, here's here's we just finished an acquisition. Here's what that was like. Will you give us the story of the deal? on your first acquisition? Because I feel like from, I mean, you scaled up pretty significantly uh, on that on that property. And it's a, I think it's an interesting story. Yeah, so I found a coach, right? This is where I was talking about my workshop's only going to be a few thousand dollars. I paid a coach a lot more than that to teach me how to do it because I didn't have one of these workshops that I could go to, or at least I knew about. But I paid a coach a lot of money to teach me exactly how to do this. So my first deal was 2012. I bought a 48 unit also in Austin, Texas, and we operated it for almost two and a half years. Well, that deal. So first of all, what, let's back up a little bit. When I found real estate and tried to get myself educated, I wasn't working. I was 42 years old. I hit a corporate wall that I was just physically sick to my stomach going to work every day. I was like, damn, I can't do this shit anymore. It's, it's going to kill me. Because I, I hated my life. I was a college dropout. My parents were high, uh, high school dropouts. And I'm stuck in retail. 
and I don't like it. So 42 years old, I figure I saved enough money. I can get by a few years until I figure out what else I want to do with my life. So then I find a coach. Teaches me how to do it. I go out and I'm thinking, how in the hell am I going to get a loan to buy a multi-million dollar property? I don't have a job anymore. I don't have any experience. There's no track record. Who the hell's going to lend me money? Well, I got a loan to buy a $1.6 million apartment complex. I had no job. I had no experience. That's what I was taught by working with a coach. Again, I'll walk you through exactly how that happened for me. Um, but on this, so I got that done, and uh, we owned it for about two and a half years. We sold it. The, the business plan on this, I told everybody, it's going to be a five- to seven-year hold is the projected hold period, projected hold period. At the end of the second year, I said, guys, I think we should sell because the Austin market had really started to explode in 2013 and 14. And one of them was kind of a holdout. So I had 14 investors and myself. One of the 14 was kind of a holdout. It's like, man, look, we bought this for cash flow. That was the idea. That's what this is all about. Why are we selling our income stream? You're right. We bought this for cash flow. But let's think about this. If I sell this property at what I think I can sell it for based on brokers I'm talking to, I'm going to give you nine years of cash flow in one transaction and they're like oh hell i never thought about it that way exactly now yes we do have to figure out a way to redeploy that money or our income dries up but i tripled investors money limited partners silent investors i tripled their money on that first deal that first deal for me i invested one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars in my first deal it was very important for me with no experience no job no tracker nothing these people are taking a chance on me it was important for me to be the biggest investor in my first deal. It's not written anywhere that you have to, but it was important for me. So I put 20% of the deal myself up, which was $115,000. When I sold, I had enough money now to fund my personal stake in my next two syndications. So that very first deal that I did funded a total of three deals. Made one investment, ended up buying three apartment complexes amazing stuff now yes part of it's because the austin market got hot on us and and we were fortunate there we did a pretty good job of it because i listened to my coach while we owned it but the point is you probably won't have that happen very often if ever but just get out there hit some doubles and some singles and every once in a while you'll have something weird like that happen if you are in single family that's not going to happen you know, you might make 20 to 30%. Even if you double your money in a house, well, now you can buy a, a few more houses. I went and bought two more complexes. My second purchase was 120 unit from that 48. My third purchase, all funded from that same initial investment because I'm a syndicator. I syndicate other people's money to the deal. I went from 48 to 120, then I bought a 256-unit apartment complex third time out. All on that one investment. Can't do that in a house. That's pretty remarkable. I've got a whole bunch of other questions about that, but Arthur is jumping in the live chat. He's asking, have you ever heard of the NACA program, N-A-C-A program? No, don't know what that is. I haven't either. Arthur, if uh, if you could explain it in the live chat, I'd be happy to, to um, obviously read that off and we can discuss it. Um, so, Bruce, how did you find that deal? Broker. That's really what it was. My uh, My coach, you know, 
I paid to work with a coach. Well, this coach had connections. So she put me in touch with all the local brokers and it was uh, just an email that came across from one of these brokers that said, hey, got this deal on the market. You know, call for offers is at this point, price to be determined by market. Of course, again, it wasn't priced, but I just reached out to him and I said, hey, I'd like to tour the property. I talk with my coach and say, hey, I'm gonna go tour the property. My coach says, this is what you need to ask. This is what you need to look for. So again, I paid that coach a ton of money but it was worth it for me, right? So that's how it was. It, it was a marketed deal. I have, I've had a few deals given to me by brokers as a, an, an off-market or a pocket listing. I've never bought one, though, for the same reason I said that I would charge a premium to not list it. Well, they wanted a ridiculous amount of money to bring it to me off-market. Well, that's great because I have first crack at it. You can look at it as right of first refusal, although... They usually have three to five of their top buyers that they're going to send it to and see if anybody wants it before they market it. It just never worked out that way for me. So I found every one of my deals as a publicly marketed deal by a major brokerage locally. That's crazy. It's it's funny how different multifamily is from commercial because almost, I guess, yeah, every single property that we've acquired this year, it's $28 million of the real estate was all off market. Which is just, it's its crazy how different that is. Um, so your investors, where did your investors come from? I've got a hole in the backyard. I lift up the, the, the lid and they're just <laughs> sitting there waiting. No, uh, Wouldn't that be I nice? <laughs> I grow them in my backyard. I got special yeah. fairy dust. Um, but no, um, I just started going to meetups and real estate conferences myself back then and meeting everybody I could meet. Networking is very painful and it's not easy for me, but I knew what my my goal and objective was. It was to buy an apartment complex and I had to get over being scared to death to talk to people. I was a dude that would go to a club at 25 years old with my buddies and I'd sit in a corner by myself because I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know how to network and mingle with people. It's, it, it's tough in this industry if that's your personality type, but I'm living proof that my personality type, I'm great here, I'm great on stage, but if I have to go work the cold room, I, God dang, I struggled doing that. But I kept forcing myself to go to all those things. And then I got smart. I thought, okay, I'm going to all these meetups and I'm going to all these real estate conferences and I'm meeting some prospective investors. It's going pretty well. But then I thought, I'm going to start my own meetup. And it's really before I even kind of knew what meetup was, because this was 10 years ago. It was around, but I didn't go through the meetup.com website or anything like that. I just started meeting people at these other events that I would go to say, hey, let's meet for coffee at Starbucks every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. when everybody gets off work. Great. So slowly, it was just me and one other guy that started, me and VJ. About three years later, that list had grown, that mailing list had grown to two or 300 people. All of my investors but two uh, for my first deal came from that meetup. So for somebody like me, I'm very uncomfortable, again, I'm a big personality on stage, but put me in a room and I, I clam up. So what I did by starting Meetup, I am automatically seen as a voice of knowledge, a thought leader, so to speak, in their minds. I'm the guy that organized it, so it gave me instant credibility with people that don't know anything about real estate. They're trying to learn it themselves. So now they wanted to come talk to me because I was the organizer. That solved the problem for me. I don't have to go break the ice with somebody now. I don't have to have small talk with somebody now. 
people are coming to me. So it worked for me very, very well. I would tell everybody that, how do I say this without being a jackass about it, but start a podcast and start a meetup. If it's your personality, if you don't have the kind of personality that can hold a room that can bring value to that room, you probably need to find a different way because if you start a meetup, because Bruce told me I'm supposed to start a meetup to find investors, but you have nothing to bring of value. You don't know how to talk to anybody. You don't know how to communicate. You don't know what you're doing. See, I had already started educating myself, so I knew enough to start talking to people. Start a podcast the same way. Start a podcast because Gary Vaynerchuk told you to, but Gary Vaynerchuk will also tell you if you don't have anything to say or if you have no personality at all, it's probably not going to work out so well. But starting a meetup, if you've got the personality to carry that off, that could be a game changer for raising money. And then try to get yourself on every podcast you can get yourself on and have quality things to contribute and talk about. And that's how you slowly start building critical mass. People start hearing about you, finding you. People will start referring you to their friends. So it's that flywheel effect, right? It starts to upon itself, but you're going to start slow, go to a few meetups, go to a few more, then go to maybe Jake and Gino or Joe Fairless or Bigger Pockets. Uh, go to those conferences and, and just plug into the industry. And, and it works. It just takes some time. Yeah, and look, the, the thing is about that, too, any personality can do well with something like that. Go find your blue ocean, right? I mean, of course, I, I'm like Bruce. I have no problem going into a room, you know, where and giving a talk or whatever. Clearly, we do the YouTube channel. I've got the podcast, like got the personality for it. and I enjoy it. Um, we also write a blog post every week. I have a massive audience on that. I think we get like 32,000 people visiting our website a month because we're writing articles on commercial real estate. That's a great way to build an audience. Maybe you're more of a data nerd, right? Like maybe you just love diving into the data. Well, why don't you compile a weekly newsletter or a monthly newsletter that's showing all the price per square foot changes? And, you know, you could do all sorts of charts and whatever that people will find value in. So there's all sorts of ways for you to kind of position yourself as an authority in that field other than just getting up in front of a stay, you know, getting up on stage and talking to a bunch of people. Bruce, I actually haven't told you this. Um, so obviously, I'm a board member for the Real Estate Investors of Nashville. I've been teaching classes, doing that for a while. But I never really had my own meetup. And a week or two ago, I got asked to go to a commercial real estate investors meetup. It's, it's just, it was a very casual group of guys down in Brentwood. Um, it's like five or six, seven guys that get together for breakfast, you know, once uh, every couple, two or three, four weeks at 7 a.m. And they grab coffee and they had me come in and talk about you know, obviously what we do as, as a deal sponsor and syndicator, I told them about Salt Ranch, the hotel that we just acquired and kind of, you know, showed them what we do. So, of course, going out there and building relationships with potential investors. And it got me thinking afterwards, like, there that was really cool. There really is no meetup in Nashville that is commercial real estate specific. So I posted it on Instagram. I said, hey, if I was going to start a commercial real estate coffee you know, twice a month, who would want, would anybody be interested in that? And I had 50 something people say, yes, they wanted to do it. 
So I just started sending out calendar invites, booked a room at Retrograde Coffee, which is my favorite coffee shop in town. So now every other Thursday, I'm hosting a commercial real estate meetup at the coffee shop that I'm going to be at anyway. <laughs> so it's not like it's any other any effort outside of what I'm already doing. And there's nothing prepared. It's literally a, hey, this is just a casual conversation for people who are interested in commercial real estate. Show up and let's talk. And it's super easy to do. I had five or six people show up to the first one, which was perfect, right? Like you get this nice little room of people that are just genuinely interested in commercial real estate. Um, so there, there's one option for you there. I mean, just go find a group of people like Bruce started with VJ. Just start hanging out, doing something that you normally do anyway, and start a meetup. I think that's such a great way of, of providing value without having to really do a whole lot honestly. Right. And I, and I want people to hear what you said too. five to six people showed up and some people would be discouraged. You go, Oh, what the, I started with me and VJ. That was it. Yeah. Two people. I have a, I have an in prospective investor database now of 25,000 people, people that have expressed interest in either buying education, buying a book or investing with me. It's taken me 10 years, but guys, I'm telling you, listen to Tyler, listen to me, baby steps. Just take this stupid thing, right? How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Mm -hmm. It's a flywheel effect. I said that already. You're going to start off with a very small attendance. If you will keep consistently at it week after week or every other week after every other week in your case, it will grow. I promise you will get to where we are and it gets, it's never easy to raise money. I do not want to dis mislead anybody. Syndicating, Never ever. <laughs> the name of my book is called Syndicating is a Bitch because it is. It's hard. It gets relatively easier the longer you do it. It's the 10,000 hours, Malcolm Gladwell. You get to where you're very proficient at it. You're never going to be perfect at it. Cash raises will never be easy unless you have just one dude with $43 trillion and he said, I'll fund every deal you ever do. There might be one out of 4 million people listening to this that that's going to happen for, right? So, you just got to put in the time and the effort. It's not going to happen for you overnight, um, but it, it's totally doable. Again, I'm a high, I'm a college dropout. Parents were high school dropouts. I was in retail, and I had no experience. And you and I are doing pretty damn well for ourselves. And you know, we didn't go through some real estate program and get a master's, uh, you know, from Vanderbilt or for Texas A&M. You know, we just got out there and started busting our ass and meeting people and taking steps, taking another step every day. What can I do today that's going to move me further down the journey of getting to where I want to be? And single family houses, guys, it's very unlikely that's ever going to do it for you. Yeah, and I intentionally made this meetup semi-difficult for people to attend because I really only wanted the like hardcore people who are very interested and want to contribute to the conversation involved. So it's 7 a.m. in East Nashville. So, I mean, like, it's you're going to be, you're going to do this on my dime if you want to come hang out and talk about commercial real estate. But I know that the five or six people that showed up, they're all, they all want, really wanted to be there. And that was what was really cool to me. So, um, yeah, if you're listening and you want to come join us, uh, I guess leave me a comment. I'll get you the information. Um, Arthur is saying it's a program in Philadelphia that helps low income areas with bad credit to be able to get a duplex or a triplex. 
Yeah, there's there's a bunch of programs like that across the country. Nashville has one. I actually talked about it last night on our Commercial Real Estate Investor Weekly Update, the news show that we do every week. Um, the housing fund here in Nashville just got a pretty pretty big funding um, announced or just had a big funding announcement from Pinnacle Bank. They're partnering with them. I believe it was $10 million in financing, which is wonderful. They, they only require people to put, I believe, 1% down. If you qualify, it's one percent down, and then Pinnacle, or and then Housing Fund covers the other twenty-four or twenty-five percent, and then Pinnacle Bank, which is a local bank to Nashville, finances the rest of it. So it's a it's a it's a pretty phenomenal program. I love stuff like that. Uh, Bruce Arthur is asking um, as well: How can someone who doesn't have a great credit score just started a contracting business doing small gigs? Uh, been in business since 17. How can how can somebody like that get into the real estate investing game? Well, you know, if you're trying to do it the way I said, um, you know, as a syndication, you don't have to go start your own syndication right off the bat. It's very advanced. It's usually for people that have been investing before. It's really hard to do it cold like I did. Um, it's not to pat myself on the back. But remember, I paid somebody thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to teach me how to do it. Right. So but for most people that are starting out in syndications with no money, uh, maybe not the greatest credit in the world, find some other operator, some other syndicator or deal sponsor that you can contribute to what they're doing. Maybe you perform some back office menial stuff that they just don't want to take the time to do. <clears throat> maybe you are the communication or the mouthpiece to the investors. Maybe there's something that that experienced deal sponsor would allow you to come and be a part of their deal for a small piece of the deal, but just to get your experience. That's probably the best way. You know, these people on late night TV, they're not as prominent as they used to be, but it was, you know, no money, no credit, no job. You know, I can show you how to make $14 billion yesterday. Uh, that's probably not going to work for you. You yeah. can do this stuff with no money. All right. It, it's possible. I know people, I know people on this podcast that have actually done it. Right. So <laughs> for most people, it's exceptionally hard to do. And usually when you hear people say, I did this with no money, it's because I put money up, but then I got it all back out. Right. It's very hard for you to do a deal with no money. See if you can figure out a way to get it, go to all the meetups we're talking about, go to every meetup you can find and start networking with people. Find somebody that's a deal sponsor that has some track record and to see what can I do to contribute all just give me one or two percent of the deal whatever is fair to you sir or madam I just want to be part of it so now you start to learn behind the scenes you start seeing how it all works you start building your own credibility now too with uh, investors because they know you were part of somebody else's GP that's the way I would do it yeah quick plug I, have, I did a video on that i think it's like five ways to buy commercial real estate with no money down no or little money down there are ways to do it it is exceptionally tough and honestly like find a different way to do it but i mean if you <laughs> just don't have money and there's no other way for you to make money there are ways so go go watch that video um one thing i will say to arthur is that your personal credit it's it matters in commercial real estate but it doesn't matter nearly as much as it does when you're buying single family homes because they're basing the loan, yes, off of you as the guarantor, but also will this asset perform, right? Like, is this asset of value? If I have to come foreclose on this asset, will it be a decent return for the bank so that we can flip it to somebody else, make our money back plus a return? That's really what they're looking into instead of your personal credit score. So, you know, look, I don't, I don't have a great credit score. 
right? Because I paid cash for just about everything my entire life, which royally screwed me. I'm still trying to build my credit, which is crazy. I own over $30 million worth of real estate. I, I can't, like, I probably couldn't even qualify to buy a single family home right now. I'm not even kidding, which is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense, but that's just how it is. Um, Arthur's saying, okay, so find properties and contribute that way can help. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's, um, that was one of the, that was how I got one of my first couple of deals done. Like I went out and found the properties and found somebody that had the experience to partner with. I mean, Bruce and I still do that, right? Because Bruce brings stuff to the table that I don't bring to the table. I bring stuff to the table that Bruce doesn't bring to the table. So it works, right? Like, there's not always just a partnership where you're only going to get a tiny amount um, just because you're going out and bringing the deals. I mean, the, kind of the way that Bruce and I split it up, uh, split up our GP, I'm happy to share with you guys, is like there's 25%. This is generally kind of what happens. 25% for finding the deal, 25% for back of house, and then kind of 50%, give or take, for the capital raise. So if Bruce brings half the capital and I bring half the capital, well, well then we're 50-50 partners on that deal. And, you know, think, things will change here and there. Maybe we'll have another partner that comes in that changes that. But that's kind of, I mean, generally, right, Bruce? That's generally how we structure our GPs. It is. Now, if we bring somebody in that's going to be the head of investor relations and they're going to bring a lot of money to the table, but that's all they're really going to do is be investor relations, have to have a legitimate role in the general partnership outside of just bringing money. That's against the law. That's one of those right. things that I'll teach you, right? You got to do it the right way. But if they're only bringing money to the table and they're only going to be the, the mouthpiece and the communication piece back to the investors, a lot of times it's only 20% of the deal, but yeah, that's what we do. Um, you know, you just, you got to find some way, like I said, to contribute, make sure that you're doing it the right way, talk to the right attorneys uh, and, and get it done. But yeah, you know, Tyler is really good at finding the deals. He's a developer, you know, talking about bringing in somebody when we don't have all our bases covered, we're doing this unbelievable over the top boutique hotel in Nashville. We've never developed a, a hotel. We've, you know, as a GP, we've done developments, but nothing like this. We found the most qualified, biggest, badass boutique hotel designer and operator in literally the entire nation. Five years in a row, Jordan had the number one ranked boutique hotel in the world. Oh, I thought it was five. Anyway, <laughs> four years, whatever it is, four or five years. But again, we don't know how to develop a boutique hotel. We went out and found Jordan. Well, now we've shored that up. We've got back of house. We've got deal flow. We've got investor relations. And now we brought in the most badass operator and designer we could find. So, yeah, don't be afraid to partner with other people. Some people are control enthusiasts and they're like, oh, I got to own all the deal. Well, you're going to – I hate all these euphemisms. Don't be that guy. What is it? Uh, go to – if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far – go together you know but it's true it's an old african proverb yeah so g gather people every one of you can bring a different skill set to this gp don't put 10 to 20 people in a gp it's going to be a nightmare try to keep it at two to four people if you can if you could do it all yourself with a coach well then you can keep all the gp cut for yourself right so the fewer people the fewer cooks in the kitchen the better but don't be afraid to partner if you're if you're weak in a specific area yeah. I mean, look, it, it helps to scale too, right? Like it's, 
I'd rather have a smaller slice of a much bigger pie than it's, it, you think about, you think about that. You want to hold on to hundred percent of the deal. You don't want to bring people in. Well, there's a chance that you're going to have zero, right? Because you just can't get the deal done. I will take 50% of a done deal than a hundred percent of nothing every day, every day. Yep. Because, you know, it just, it makes it more scalable. Bruce is finding deals. I'm finding deals. We can go do more deals, right? Like you, one plus one doesn't always equal two with a partnership. It should equal three. And that's why you do the partnership. So Bruce, um, resources for, you know, if, if somebody is looking to scale up their real estate business, what would you recommend? I mean, obviously you've got this course, you've got the seminar. How can people find you and find those? Okay, so a couple of things that I'm up to in the near future. Uh, first of all, I will be speaking at the Old Capital Conference in Dallas. Uh, what cool. is it? I've got it on the screen here. Uh, September 22nd and 23rd. That just came up a few days ago. Um, so come out and hang out with us. That's a great, great, uh, highly attended conference in Dallas every single year. It's, it's a great place to network and find people trying to do what you're trying to do. But also, you know, I've been talking about this workshop, you know, the shameless plug. I can teach you how to do this. Now, I'll teach you everything you need to know to go out and do this all on your own, right? And we're going to do that October 8th and 9th in Austin. If you're interested in participating, coming out and spending a couple of days with us, it'll be a Friday and a Saturday, October 8th and 9th at the Domain in Austin. Go to apartmentguy.com. So it's apt-guy.com on the front page. There's a button. Let me pull it up. Make sure I don't call it the wrong thing it's my button but i might call it the wrong thing so <laughs> click on the thing that says partner with us toward the top of the screen click there and you're going to go to a form fill out the form and one of the questions is are you interested in the apartment guys austin syndication workshop if you are click yes i'll put you in the list because we're still working on getting you know all the back office stuff in place and we will release it formally very soon um, but that will lock you in the fifteen hundred dollar price instead of the three thousand dollar price so come hang out with us for two days if you're interested. I'll teach you everything I know. And uh, guys, I could say, obviously, uh, Bruce knows what he's talking about. Like I said, that's where I got started in syndication was meeting Bruce in Austin a few years ago and, and him teaching me. So uh, I could not recommend that course uh, more. Bruce is a great teacher. He will show you the ropes. Bruce, thanks for coming on today and uh, showing us how to scale business. We appreciate it. All right, brother. Yep. It was All fun. Right. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you guys for joining us live. If you're listening on the podcast, don't forget to leave us a rating or review. If you are on YouTube, like, and subscribe, come back, come see us again, and we'll see you next week.